Hey, Radicals, quick show tonight. Welcome to the show. We have exciting news. We had a baby. <laughs> we had a little baby girl on Friday morning. So thank you to uh, all of you who've been thinking about us and praying for us. We were very excited to have uh, have this little baby girl. Baby is doing well, and Mama is doing well. Um, and it was a beautiful, uh, the birth was a beautiful experience. I just wanted to come on and, and let you know that, since I know I've been talking about it on the show last, uh, you know, past days. And... Um, uh, Wanted to come on and, and mention it on the show and just have a little announcement here for you all. So, and then also I went ahead and I thought it'd be fun and I decided you probably get tired of hearing from just me and I invited my wife to come on and, uh, and just say hello. So, how you feeling, babe? I feel good. Glad to have a pretty baby girl. <laughs> I know it's exciting. Now, the other reason that I roped you in was just A, to make this quick announcement, but I thought it'd be fun. I wound up mentioning on a recent recent show that one of my goals on my list of goals for a while had been the birth of our little baby girl and that I'd had it on there that before July 15, 2015, that we would have, uh, we would birth our little baby girl healthy, happy. Everyone would be, everyone would be great. And I had some adjectives surrounding that as far as the way that, you know, that you and I had talked about the birth. And I got some feedback from the audience. People said, hey, we'd be interested in knowing what you did because I said, you know, we wanted a safe, natural, easy um, childbirth. We wanted it to be a beautiful experience, not just something that you grit our, grit our teeth and get in, get through. Uh, so I thought while it was fresh in our minds that <laughs> that you and I might just record, you know, five or ten minutes of, of ideas here just to share with any of the other uh, parents or prospective parents of some of the things that we've found helpful. So uh, I'll start, though, because they probably get – the audience gets tired of hearing me talk – how was the birth experience this time for you? <laughs> it was even faster than last time. <laughs> and we're thankful for fast births. I know it's genetic. I'm not taking credit, but it is nice. I think you could take a little bit of credit. Doesn't, I mean, it's always hard to know because so many things in life, um, you can't necessarily control them. But then you can also work hard to control some things. So when you do everything you know to do and you work hard at it, yeah, you ultimately can't take credit for things. But you can at least acknowledge the fact that you've worked hard towards something. Right. We did have a goal. And fast or slow, you still have to manage the experience. So right. we did everything we could to manage the experience. And whether it would have been fast or slow, we would have done the same things. Right, right. And it wasn't so much about the speed of the birth. I mean, we were thankful that it was the, that this one especially was even quicker than last time. But it was more about the experience, about having it be a wonderful, joyful, positive experience, kind of an intimate time of bonding for us as a family and just something beautiful that we look back on with pleasure rather than something that we look at and say, wow, that was horrible. Now, we've had close friends who've had really challenging births, so we know that we're definitely we're definitely thankful. So I thought what would be useful is maybe just in the same way that if we were talking with some of our friends, maybe we'd just share some of the tips that um, some of the things that we've worked at uh, to try to accomplish our goal of having the type of birth that we wanted. What's the first thing that comes to your mind of that we focused on, that we worked at, uh, that we did differently than many people to try to have a positive birth experience? The first thing that comes to my mind is choosing an out-of-hospital birth. We've we've seen different documentaries and heard experiences that support what these videos claim that explain how a hospital birth may be taken out of your hands if you're not confident in your care provider and the I guess they're called floor staff, the people in the hospital, not just your doctor or certified nurse midwife or whoever you have, but also the people that actually work in the hospital and they have protocols to fulfill and they have, um, you know, laws that they have to follow. I'm not criticizing anybody just saying that for us, 
we wanted to have a little more control, a little more say in our birth. So we chose an out-of-hospital birth. And I think from there, a lot more deci- a lot of the other decisions come more easily. Yeah. The out-of-hospital one, that's certainly a very controversial in today's world. But I know it was important to us, if possible, to have a natural birth. And the closest hospital to our um, – you know, to our house here is widely known as for having a uh, a very positive uh, birth environment. They got a beautiful birthing suite, and it's a very you know a lot of our friends have their babies there. But their C section rate is up over thirty percent. Uh, I can't remember the last year, even thirty seven percent, something like that. And it's an incredibly high C section rate. Now, thank I'm so thankful that that the technology of the C section exists uh for the moms and the babies who need it there have been countless lives saved by it but for us both of our pregnancies have been low risk there's not been a single risk factor and i think for us we decided that there was more risky for us to give birth in a hospital absent any uh since since in our case there was no medical indicators indicating that we had any reason to be in a hospital uh we felt it was it was uh, actually better for us to give birth at home, uh, which is what we we chose to do. And it was uh, when you give birth in home in a, in a house or in your own home, it number one it controls a lot of the risk factors that can happen um, with actually giving birth in the hospital. Number two, it actually helps you just to control the environment. And I know based upon all of our research, one of the things that we've worked very hard to do is to control the emotional and psychological aspects of our birthing experience was to uh, try to uh, work through. And we did, uh, we did something that was called hypnobirthing. There are a number of childbirth uh, educational classes and things you can go through. The three most popular is hypnobirthing, Lamaze and Bradley, Bradley and Bradley. And uh, we chose to go through the hypnobirthing process. And one of the things that the authors of the hypnobirthing materials emphasize is the impact of psychology and the impact of, of I guess just the mental game on the birthing process. I know for us that has definitely been our experience. If you're fearful about birth, if you're at all uncomfortable, and in talking with different friends of ours, doulas, midwives, they've shared various stories just simply about the psychological aspect of childbirth, where sometimes they'll be working with a couple through a difficult childbirth, fairly lengthy, things aren't progressing, they're trying to figure out what on earth is going on, and they'll start digging into the psychology and they'll find out, I know one one experience that uh, Adula shared with us one time was she'd figured out that the husband had made uh, some rude statements and the wife uh, uh, had remembered them. And all, she didn't know it was a problem until all of a sudden they're in their birth and all these fears kind of take over and it stops the, the childbirth experience. So just simply the impact of psychology and the impact of feeling comfortable and relaxed and confident uh, can make a huge difference. Uh, also, the under, like doing, going through the class helped us to understand what exactly the body was doing. It helps me to visualize what I'm feeling and not just feel this vague, odd sensation. I don't know what this is. I should probably be scared right now. Right. Instead, I think, oh, this is what my muscles are doing. I can feel this this action happening. If I actually focus on it, I realize, oh, yes, I feel it right here. This is what I'm feeling. And it's not scary it's not vague it's a defined happening so it makes it easier to understand and not be fearful because you realize this is a normal natural process that our bodies have been ours as women have been designed to do (laughs) i know that 
that was a big one for us was actually learning because the only thing that you know the either of us you because before we got married and had a baby you had never been to a birth right i had never been to a yeah. birth no and neither did i uh, uh, of course so the only idea and perception that you have of childbirth when you haven't been through one is essentially what you've seen on a tv show and usually that's been filmed for dramatic effect <laughs> some woman lying on her back in a hospital gown screaming her brains out and some panicked dad or 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 just panicked person there screaming and saying, what are we going to do? Or the, you know, the horrifying taxi ride, we got to get to the hospital. It's all for dramatic effect. But the challenge is those are the things that, that stay with us. There's a reason why they, they, those scenes were chosen. And so that's the mental idea that we have. So I know for us a big, uh, especially with our first baby, uh, it was a big uh, epiphany just to recognize that even the, the pain and the experience of what actually physically happens during childbirth is not an unknown factor. For example, when we first went through the class where they explained what a uterus actually is and how the muscles in the uterus actually contract and work to bring the baby from where it's been for nine months through the birth path uh, to be born, then all of a sudden it brings a totally different meaning to the word contraction. You know, Prior to that, I don't know what... You know, for me, a contraction was just something that was this horrible, painful experience. But after that, we figured out, well, this is just kind of like lifting weights where you're experiencing these muscular contractions in order to do the work. And once you understand it, it changes the, the process. They're not going to believe me unless you say something. <laughs> I'm nodding my head over here. <laughs> okay, yes. That's basically what I just said, but you said it longer. <laughs> if you've ever wondered in our marriage, I have the skill for uh, making things that are simple long and repeating them. And my wife is very concise, <laughs> as you just heard. So, so that that decision to uh, that decision to have a home birth is certainly um, a, an important one, and you have to be comfortable with it because there are risks to having a home birth, and you need to be prepared for those risks. Uh, thankfully, if you do. Uh, it, number one, if you pay careful attention with your medical team to any actual physical risk factors that you have, most of those risks are known about in advance. And then you can have a plan in place in case risks emerge during, uh, during childbirth that, uh, you know, we had a backup plan. We have backup physicians, backup hospital ready to go. We had bags packed, all, all, you know, contingency plans in place in case we needed to transport to the hospital. So we were comfortable with those, uh, with those things. And, Having a home birth doesn't mean that you're not getting quality medical care. Right. We had qualified midwives with us through the whole process. We get the same prenatal care that people get who go to an OB. Right. We could choose to opt in or out of certain tests that may have been um, offered. And it's not – it doesn't mean just – going off in the woods somewhere like a cow and having your baby. That's not what home birth means. It doesn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, another idea that might be helpful for some that are interested in the topic, uh, let's talk about the fear release process because I know for us that was a big deal and I think contributed a lot even to this last birth to making it a positive experience that we had gone through the process of, re of figuring out what you were fearful of and figuring out ways to... Um, handle those fears. Why don't you explain about that? Yeah. One of the exercises we did in our hypnobirthing class is was writing down anything that may emotionally 
cloud your birth experience. So basically fears, things that that could hinder your birth from being smooth, things that would keep you from being confident while you were going through your birth experience. And for me, a lot of my fears were uh, based on what other people would do regarding the timing of the birth. I don't like to be rushed in anything. Poor Joshua. <laughs> he he deals with my slowness sometimes. But I don't like to be rushed, and I didn't want to feel like anyone was pressuring me to hurry up and have this baby, and I didn't want to feel like a due date meant something, because for those of you who haven't gone through this process, a due date is the midpoint in, well, I guess it would be a little bit after the midpoint, in a five-week window when it's safe to have a baby. It doesn't mean that the baby has to have shown up by that point or something's wrong. And I'm not saying that in some cases it isn't, but it's not based on a due date. You can look into that on your own at a later time. Anyway, I didn't want to feel rushed. I didn't want anyone to know when the due date was or be asking me, where's the baby? Where's the baby? What's wrong? How come you haven't had the baby? We're so excited to see that baby. While I appreciate (laughs) that they were excited, I didn't want to feel like I needed to meet someone else's expectations. So I had a long list of, um, I guess you'd call it like a family birth plan or maybe requirements for other people (laughs) that they were not to call me. They were not to text me. They were not to know the due date. Or if they did, they were not to ask about it. They were not to post anything on Facebook. They were not to tell their friends, my grandbaby's coming soon, or my cousin's baby is due to arrive any day. Leave me alone. I will let you know when the baby shows up. So that was important for me. We sent out an email to the family and it may have come across, I mean, a little bit rude just because of the nature of the request. It's not common in our society that people would ask for that. But for me, it was important that my family know that this could hinder my, my ideal birth. And they all respected my wishes. And if there were any confusing statements that I made, we cleared those up. And it resulted in my feeling like I was free to have the baby whenever he, in that first case, decided to come. And I could relax and just wait for my body to bring the baby. And I didn't have to feel under any pressure. I could just wait and relax and let him choose his birthday. It was very important to me. And it was essential for that first birth that I feel relaxed. Yeah. And on this last one, and on baby number two, we didn't even tell anybody the expected due date. The only people who knew were the midwives and also then the uh, person that we'd chosen to uh, care for our son, our older child, uh, in case a uh, baby came during the day and we needed to, to uh, have him taken care of and have somebody come and get him. So that person needed to know. Beyond that, nobody, my mom didn't know, your mom didn't know. <laughs> we kept a secret. We just told everybody uh, about the end of June. And the actual uh, expected due date was June 24. Uh, so that worked out. And, and then when you combine them not knowing with the explicit instructions of don't ask, we'll tell you when the baby's on, on her way, then it led to just a very uh, pressure-free, uh, pressure-free um, delivery. I guess to me, I was thinking about after the fact, like what were the things that we did to prepare? And in my mind, they all came down to well, many of them just came down to the psychological side, just making sure that you felt 
rested, that you felt comfortable. Um, there were some physical things that we did to prepare um, for the childbirth experience that we hoped to have. But a lot of the psycholo- psychological ones were important. We tried to have everything squared away in plenty of time with baby's things, baby's room, baby's uh, uh, environment. Yeah, environment. Tried to have all of the things done around the house that needed to be done, any loose ends that were going to uh, stress you out, out to try to make sure that all of those loose ends were uh, were taken care of, to try to make sure that the environment was very comfortable for you, that you had all of the things that you wanted so that you could just be at ease and be comfortable. All of the psychological things as far as no pressure, being in a comfortable environment. Um, we made sure that the house was clean. We made right. sure I had a night light for nursing. We made sure there was greenery in the room where I was going to give birth so it felt like nature-ish. Right. It, it was relaxing. lots of little things. We tried to keep the house clean so that I didn't have to feel like, oh, there's dog hair over here and I, that's a problem right now. Right, right. And then some of the physical things that we did as far as physical preparations is number one, um, obviously, eating well, exercising. Uh, I made you go on your walks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was hot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They pushed you out the door and said, go walk. And um, I obviously went on some of them when I, when I could. Um, try to make sure you had lots of rest. So that was really valuable was to have as much rest as possible, as many naps as possible. And snacks. <laughs> and snacks. Uh, other physical things would be um, chiropractic care. You had chiropractic care all the way through. And go ahead I, and talk about that. I recommend chiropractic care to every pregnant mama. It, in my opinion, made a big difference. I just know my first baby came so smoothly and easily. The, the way it was explained to us was if the baby has all the room possible that he or she can have – then they're not trying to finagle through a wiggly path. Everything is straight and in line. They can just come right on down. And that made so much sense to us that we started to go into chiropractic adjustments about six months in with our first baby yeah. and all the way through, well, no, maybe three or four months in with this baby. And it just, I mean, not only does it make you more comfortable during the pregnancy, it makes everything smoother during the birth because you know that the baby has as much room as possible to get down. Yeah. There were kind of two aspects to it. There's the first making sure that you're feeling comfortable Mm -hmm. because when you're carrying the baby and all of the baby's weight, that puts a lot of unusual stress on your body. And so making sure that everything's well adjusted for you can make a big difference. But then during the delivery, making sure, I guess it's hard to describe in an audio format, but just making sure that your pelvis and your pelvic bones are all lined up so there's a maximum space possible. When you actually look at the human anatomy and understand a slight twisting of the pelvis means substantially less room for baby to pass through. But if everything is straightened out, uh, it's substantially more room for baby to pass through. It makes a big difference. Big difference. Anything else that you can think of that we... We're kind of doing this show on a whim here. so. <laughs> well, I feel like, I mean, just to to leave ideas with people, the biggest thing that we did was our research. Right. We read, we watched documentaries, we talked to various people, we toured the hospital right near us, we visited birth centers, um, talked to midwives, like uh, home birth midwives. There's... There are two kinds of midwife. One is a certified nurse midwife and one is a licensed midwife. And they 
have slightly different philosophies, different trainings. So midwife might mean different things to different people. Then you've got OBs, you've got naturopaths. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Um, just different people you could choose to have a baby with. And then you've got all these decisions to make. Do we circumcise? Do we vaccinate? Do we breastfeed? Do we use cloth diapers? All these questions. And how do we sue the fussy baby? Do we follow a sleep schedule? Do we follow a feeding schedule? So many things that nobody tells you you have to decide about and you have nine months to get it figured out. So do your reading, do your watching your DVDs, ask people around you who had good experiences. Do not find those people who love to horrify you with, I almost died and my baby almost died. And if it weren't for my xy intervention you know we would have died sometimes that does happen but it's not encouraging when you're going to have a baby so try to find the people that had positive experiences or who can tell you how to have a positive experience and put those ideas in your head and don't put tv shows with crazy screaming people no think calm relaxed confident and read and read from both sides of different issues and make your own decisions as a family because a lot of times people just get swept along. They, they say, okay, I'm pregnant and go find whoever can deliver a baby and follow whoever as whoever's advice they hear. That sounds fine. I guess this is what you do when you have a baby. And then they come out of it thinking, well, that wasn't a positive experience. I don't know if I want to do that again. But a little reading can save you that feeling of disillusionment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can impart a, a sense of self-confidence because... Big time. I know you and I, we try very hard to... Because uh, our birth plan would be different from other people's birth plans. And the key is not for anybody to assume what another person wants, but rather to feel confident and empowered with your own choices. Because at the end of the day, it's your family it's your baby and it's your birth. And so take ownership of it and take, uh, take control of it to the, to the extent, po- to the, to the largest extent possible. And then, you know, be flexible in your thinking because circumstances can emerge that would say, well, we need to move in a very different direction. You might have your birth plan specifically pointed in this direction and then some circumstance presents itself and you need to make a, a complete change. And that's why you have a medical team there that's able to help you and assist you in those process in that process. And that's why you empower yourself because then you understand, Oh, I know what this medical term means. I understand the repercussions of not making a change to my plan. And I feel confident making this change. It's not just, Oh, well, somebody suggested that maybe we should do this. So, well, I don't really know what that means, but, but we, maybe we should do it. It just gives you a place to ask questions, intelligent questions, and take control of your birth, whether it follows your initial plan or not. Right, right. So two two other things about the birth. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. <laughs> and I didn't prep her for these questions, uh, but I think the audience will enjoy. And then we'll talk about uh, one or two quick things about having a baby or actually, you know, when the baby's actually here. So hypnobirthing claims, uh, it, what's the, I don't know what the word is on the front cover of their book, but it's basically about pain-free childbirth, something like that. That's I, think, I think it's more, they advertise calm and gentle, okay. not so much pain-free, okay. although they do suggest that that is possible with the right circumstances. So what would be your experience? Is it possible to have a pain-free childbirth? 
Well, I've only had two births. I don't know if you can even ask. <laughs> that's a pretty broad question to ask one person. Uh, do I think it's possible? Others have claimed so. I had, I would say, pretty relatively pain-free birth. Not pain-free, but not painful. Meaning there were moments specifically during the, what is it called, ending, where the baby's actually coming out. Right, final phase. Right. Well, well, I know the final phase is the placenta. Anyway, the part where the baby's actually coming out, that was not pain-free, but it didn't last very long, and the labor process was made much more bearable by the fact that I understood what was going on. I felt pressure. I felt tightening. I felt sensations. I felt lowering the baby going down. But I didn't feel scared about it. I didn't feel confused about what was my body doing. I felt in control. I felt confident with working with what my muscles were doing. And I had breathing techniques to help me be able to focus on my body and not just think, oh, no, what's going on? What's going on? And tighten everything up. Because if you tighten up, right. then that causes pain. Right. But if you can breathe and relax and pay attention and visualize what's going on in your body, then you don't have to be afraid and, and tighten up and cause your own self-pain. The best analogy that we came up with uh, that we've shared with our friends that for us was super helpful was to when you understand what's going on, it's kind of like a workout that if you go into the gym, and as what I mentioned earlier about understanding simple things like what uterine contractions are. But if you go into the gym and you're lifting heavy weights, many of us have had that experience, and you're lifting heavy weights and you're pressing through a bunch of repetitions and your muscles might be really screaming and they're really hurting. You're really feeling a burning sensation in your muscles. Well, you don't usually just drop the weight and run out of the gym screaming like your hair is on fire. You recognize, I know what's going on. I'm pressing through this set of repetitions. And yes, my muscles are burning, but I recognize that the sensation is is normal and it's, and it's going to pass. And so by being prepared for that sensation, once you've experienced it once, you, you, you know what's going to happen. It's not pain-free. There's certainly pain, but it's not unmanageable, unbearable pain. And so with the labor process, that's my observation is it's not pain-free, but uh, – and I've got just the observer's seat, but it's not pain-free. But by the, by the understanding of it, of what's going on, and then by the being relaxed and by the mental preparation as you're going through the process, it's not unbearable. One clarification, he doesn't have quite the just observer's seat. He is very much involved in the process with helping me feel comfortable, making sure I have water, making sure I have snacks, telling me I'm doing a good job, dealing with my ridiculous requests. I need water. No, I don't. I need music. Turn it off. I need my birth ball. Get it away from me. Need massage. Don't touch me. It's, uh, he's very much involved. He's not just an observer. Yeah. That's part of what makes it easier too there's certain statistics i'm not exactly sure the numbers but that women who have constant support during labor have far better outcomes than women who don't have support and for some that may be a doula maybe your mom but in our case it was joshua and he did an awesome job and i feel like if you have that support it makes a huge difference in feeling relaxed and confident and comfortable because you don't feel alone and somebody else understands what your body is doing 
and can respond to that and help you. And also he timed the surges and um, watched the process to figure out when do we call the midwife and how are we doing along the process? And he's not just an observer. <laughs> he's a companion. Yeah, it is. It is good. I, 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 I can't stand when husbands, you know, put everything onto their wives and don't, don't take a place of, of responsibility in the process. You know, you were involved in making the baby. It's time to step up and, and help through the process. The two things that anger me when I see weak, impotent husbands is number one, when they don't get involved with childbirth and number two, when they don't get involved with weddings, <laughs> that's the other one. That's a, that's a rant for another day. But you know, you start your, um, it's just, there's a lot of weak, impotent men who just don't, don't step forward and, and take any, uh, place of responsibility. And childbirth is one of those, I know for us, it's just an incredible, um, really beautiful experience that has drawn us closer together. And I know both of us, we look back and treasure the memories of, of, you know, the two nights so far, um, working through that process together. It's a really beautiful experience. And I know I've noticed no matter what age of a woman you ask about her birth experience, she remembers. She does, sure does. She remembers. <laughs> this is not like, you know, a class in school where you might remember certain details here and there. Women remember. Yeah. So make it as best a good experience <laughs> as you can. You spent a lot of time doing affirmations, uh, birthing affirmations, um, you know, for the weeks up to it. You know, made sure every night sent you to the bathtub with candles and birthing affirmations. I make fun of affirmations a lot on the show from the visualize, oh, I'm going to sit back and visualize millions of dollars floating into my mailbox. But um, what impact or how useful did you feel that the the birthing affirmations were for you? I the, After the first birth, we did affirmations with the first birth as, as well. I started looking for affirmations for everything. I was like, <laughs> can, are there parenting affirmations? Are there affirmations for maybe like eating right or <laughs> the way you want to get things done. And I'm sure you can make your own affirmations for anything, but I was like, this is great. We just need these for everything because <laughs> it puts an idea in your head. It it gives you a direction. And right. if you, if you're, if you don't have anything to fill your mind while you're in labor, it's easy to let fear take over or confusion or, I mean, I don't know what you would think of, but if you have in your mind a plan that I, I'm confident, I feel calm, I feel my breath filling my body, I understand what's going on, my baby's moving down. These are not the hypnobirthing affirmations, but just right. to give you some ideas, it puts ideas in your head that you can then cling to in those moments when you don't know what else to think about. Right, right. I, I just noticed they were very useful. And I think they, they have their place in, in normal life. Affirmations uh, can help you to focus your thoughts and focus your efforts and direct your mind in a positive direction. Right. But I didn't see millions of dollars in the bank account. <laughs> <laughs> working on that. Shh, don't tell them. <laughs> We're working on the millions. So then the final two things that I thought would be good to mention uh, are not related to the, to the birth, but actually just to um, after the birth um, and one is just nice things that people have done for us. And so if you know friends who are having babies, 
one thing that even just this time a close friend brought us lunch the day of and that was really nice before you know some of the people in our church get together and put together a meal list and people bring have been bringing us food every night which is a real blessing yeah, but even just uh, a friend of ours showed up with lunch uh, for that day and didn't ask didn't you know ask permission just did it and that was super, that was a big blessing it was so sweet so thoughtful i was just so surprised i think i thanked her two or three times <laughs> she just showed she sent me a text hey i'm going to show up and bring some food and i was like oh that's great but i had no idea she was bringing lunch she brought dessert she brought snacks and cereal and yeah. sparkling juice it was so nice yeah so those little things can just make a big difference uh, to a family. So if you know someone who's recently had a baby, don't ask. It, you know, it's a hard when you're juggling all kinds of new things. It's hard to try to figure out and plan. Just do it and recognize that they're going to appreciate it. But they might turn you away at the door. Right. <laughs> because when we had our first baby, I didn't want anyone to touch him. I didn't want anyone to show up at my house. I wanted our privacy and our family bonding. And so do it, but you might just also be prepared to leave it at the door and go home. Right. And that's it. And you got to let mama be in charge because, you know, this time it's been very different where we've been totally relaxed and happy to see people. And it's been nice to be able to visit with people right away. Then the other thing I thought would be fun was our pet peeve <laughs> about uh, people commenting about uh, sleep patterns for oh, new <laughs> for new parents. <laughs> so we were talking about this the other day and it's kind of interesting being, uh, you know, having a new baby in the house one of the in our society we have little mental scripts that we run and you know a little script like hey you know how you doing oh i'm fine how are you or you walk up to the counter at the mcdonald's hi how can i help you i'd like the number five right it's just we know the back and forth and it doesn't ever change every time and so people get used to running the scripts and so one of the verbal scripts that people use with new parents is is talking about the parent's sleep about how much sleep they're getting or how much sleep they're not getting or asking a question about are you getting any sleep <laughs> and i I did this myself for years before I was married and before I'd been through it as a parent. I just adopted the script because this is what you say. You make a comment about the parent's sleep. You say, oh, I hope you're getting lots of sleep <laughs> or, oh, are you getting any sleep? People don't mean anything uh, rude by it. People mean very positive by it. But I know that after we had our first baby, I finally had a chance to understand actually what sleeping patterns are for babies and why sleeping patterns are that way. And I don't ever mention, I don't ever talk to a new parent about sleep, uh, now i don't i don't make any comments on it because i actually understand what's going on so i thought we might do our public service announcement for the listening public about things to to actually understand what babies why why and how babies sleep patterns are set when they're newborns <laughs> okay carry on no you're okay so that was going to be to setting you up to uh to give your to give it i guess just the thing that that we that i learned that i had never really understood was the reason that babies wake up during the night is not because there's something wrong with babies. It's not somehow that a parent is not doing a good job, but rather just the fact that their stomachs are very small. When a baby is newborn, their stomach is how big? I don't know. Size. Google it. Tiny. Um, we don't Google on the show. Oh, whatever. I mean, use the duck. Ask the duck. Ask the duck. <laughs> the audience knows that very well. <laughs> Ask the duck. <laughs> so uh, their stomachs are 
the baby's t- tummy is tiny and it can only hold uh, just a tiny little amount of milk. And so the baby needs to be fed basically about every three hours at the beginning. And then as time goes on, it can stretch out. But every three hours, um, you know, she needs, she needs food. And so you don't, so you're not, your goal as a new parent is not to get your child to sleep because you're probably, at least not nourishing it as fully as 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 you maybe you should be if you're doing that in the beginning. Now, uh, a little while later, yes, it's nice when they can sleep through the night. But in the beginning, it's no problem to need to get up and feed the baby during the night. The baby needs food. And in the same way that you wouldn't tell your three-year-old not to eat for three days and starve them because you're worried about your sleep, your precious sleep patterns, you want to make sure that your baby's needs are cared for. So it's not super helpful to ask parents about sleep or not parents about sleep. I mean, it's no big deal. That's just what that's, that comes, it's, it's, it comes with the territory. You have a baby and you need to make sure that your baby's needs are met. And, uh, and when you do that, part of that is just involves sleep and it involves, part of it involves waking up and making sure that the baby's uh, needs are met. Right. And I know we're amazed often at just even how our bodies can adapt to that. I mean, I noticed that you are able to very effectively change and it seems like your body was you know, beautifully made to be able to ad- adjust and adapt and basically just change your sleep schedule a little bit to match baby's sleep schedule. It also helps to have help. It's hugely, yeah. The first couple of days are the toughest. That they definitely are, and after that, you can kind of get into a routine. But yeah, we've got your mom staying with us right now, and that's a huge blessing. Yes, because as he said, babies need to eat, which means you're getting less slash scattered sleep. Yeah. And there comes a point sometimes, four a.m., when you just need yeah. to sleep and you need to pass that baby to somebody else. Yeah. So. It is it is different sleeping and you do adjust, but it is nice to have help. Yeah. I guess my point with the public service announcement is simply there's no need to ask new parents about sleep. They're not sleeping through the night. But then again, you know, I don't sleep like I did when I was a 16-year-old boy. <laughs> I sleep differently as a husband than I did when I was single. I sleep differently as a father than we did when we were married and didn't have kids. It's just you go through phases of life and, and life changes and it comes with the territory. So there's no need to ask a new parent about sleep, no need to comment about sleep, no need to bemoan or commiserate about the lack of sleep or the abundance of sleep. It's just called parenting. <laughs> it runs with the territory. So anything else you want to add, words of wisdom and encouragement to other, uh, I guess, prospective moms and dads or other moms and dads in general? Um, just do your research. It can be beautiful. It can be what you want. It can be fulfilling and memorable in a positive way. And I feel like, you know, every every time you hear this speech, there's always the disclaimer, but you know, there are those emergencies. And of course there are, oh, but absolutely. why start from there? Right. Yeah, that would I would uh, say that's a great way to sum it up. Do your research, and I guess as I mentioned, the reason I had uh, I had Tiffany on the show is just simply because I'd mentioned this uh, a couple of days ago that uh, ha- set out your goal, set out your ideal vision of what you actually want. Just like anything, if you can clarify what your ideal vision is, and you can flesh it out as much as possible, uh, then you can start to take the steps towards those goals and it can start to be uh, and you can back it up in the same way that you know at every stage along well not every but you know once we got into the pregnancy a little bit at every you know i've had little sub goals little things that need to be done okay these things on the house need to be done these things need to be wrapped up we need to make sure that tiffany is getting this need to make sure these things are are happening and those things put together they uh, i think they make a huge difference and 
I, I wouldn't ever be so arrogant as to say that um, we control the outcome, uh, but uh, I would say that you can work hard to create the best outcome possible. And the amount of preparation that you've done can really make a big difference uh, at that time. So we're thrilled to uh, have our little baby girl here. So far, so good. We've been enjoying her immensely. If you all want to see pictures, feel free to connect with me on Facebook at my personal account. Uh, go to facebook.com slash Joshua Sheets, S-H-E-A-T-S, or just search in the Facebook search engine for uh, Joshua Sheets, S-H-E-A-T-S, and you'll see way too many pictures. <laughs> or I guess Instagram also. I'm on Instagram at Joshua, Joshua Sheets. Uh, whatever their thing is, Instagram.com slash Joshua Sheets. Just search Joshua Sheets, S-H-E-A-T-S. I'm the only Joshua Sheets. So thanks for coming on the show, babe. It's been fun having you again. Thanks for having me. Hope I didn't bore the audience with my childbirth stuff. <laughs> you mean you're the one, who, you, you who gets straight to the point and Joshua who goes on and on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Be back with you soon. The drive to go further and reach higher. The same thing that inspires you inspires us. At Strayer University, we're always searching for new ways to make education more affordable. That's why we offer access to up to 10 no-cost gen ed courses to help you save time and money so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. No-cost gen ed's provided by Strayer University affiliates of your learning. Eligibility rules apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEF.